0: everybody, welcome to Broadhead HMH Agency's Future of Transportation podcast. I'm John Halpin and I'm here to continue our series of chats with experts in the transportation industry. Joining me in this episode is David Black, the Vice President of Fleet Sales at FlowBelow. FlowBelow helps fleets reduce fuel consumption with products like aerodynamic wheel covers. And I'll let David get into some more detail on that in a minute. Um, previously, David was the GM of a trucking company with more than 25 years in overseeing fleets. So he's got a lot of background in this industry that's gonna um, help us have a great chat. David, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure
0: to be here. All right. Um, so what, let's start with Flow Below. How does your company help fleets reduce fuel consumption?
1: Well, Flow Below is based in Round Rock, Texas, and manufactures drive wheel fairings and aerodynamic wheel covers for tractors and trailers. When a truck uh, and a trailer are traveling down the road, they generate turbulence around and between the wheels and also within the wheel cavities themselves. Our products reduce the turbulence around the wheels and the wheel ends, which reduces drag. Reducing drag improves the aerodynamic performance of the vehicle, resulting in improved fuel economy. As an added benefit, of adding flow below drive wheel fairings and aerodynamic wheel covers to your truck, we also dramatically reduce splash and spray. You see, when it's raining or the road surface is wet, it is the introduction of water to the turbulence that creates splash and spray. By significantly reducing turbulence To reduce drag and improve fuel economy, we simultaneously reduce splash and spray, dramatically improving visibility for the truck driver and the surrounding vehicles. So this is not only a fuel saving product, but it has a safety component as well. To break it down a little further, our aerodynamic wheel covers alone will save fleets 0.93% on their fuel economy. By installing the same aerodynamic wheel covers in the trailer position on a tandem axle unit, the savings jumps to 1.74%. If a fleet installs our tractor aero kit, which includes drive wheel fairings and wheel covers, the savings can reach 2.23%. And finally, by installing wheel covers on the trailer position, being pulled by a tractor that is equipped with our full aero kit, the fleet can easily top 3% fuel savings.
0: Okay, so uh, you did mention that it's not just about fuel saving. There's a safety component too, and, and, and that's interesting. I want to talk more about that in a minute. But as far as the fuel savings, so how does Slow Blow fit in with the uh let's say conversion of trucks to being electric
1: well it's interesting there's really uh, no adaptation needed uh okay. other than possibly adjusting design and form to meet any changes in oem design and configuration as time passes uh regardless of the fuel or energy that powers the vehicle they will all benefit from improved aerodynamics this will be true of natural gas renewable natural gas hydrogen fuel cells and other uh fuel sources perhaps that are yet to be developed in the case of electric vehicle improved aerodynamics will result in an increased vehicle range and efficiency of the energy used to move the vehicle down the road electric vehicle range is probably one of the largest obstacles facing ev development and deployment yep to you know, today's EVs are seeing great success in smaller vehicles, you know, yard spotters and very short haul local PD, as an example. But long haul EVs have some significant obstacles to overcome, and I'm sure we'll eventually overcome them. Some of those obstacles include range, a lack of sufficient charging availability nationwide, a lack of electrical infrastructure to support widespread vehicle charging, uh, battery life. Uh, weight of those vehicles and other pushback issues that need to be addressed. And this is where the trialing and the testing of electric vehicles needs to occur across all sectors and segments of the industry. The industry needs failure data from those vehicles in order to redesign and develop solutions around the various obstacles encountered during normal daily operations. And given the broad range of fleets that are in North America alone and the variations in the way those fleets operate and run their equipment, a lot of operational testing is needed.
0: OK, so so maybe I'm inferring from tone a little bit. Do you think we're falling short on that front right now? Do you think that the, you, know, you said we need failure data and that that makes a lot of sense? Are, are we are we getting that quickly enough?
1: i think we're getting it very the speed at which uh alternative uh, fuels and electric vehicles have taken off is is dramatic Mm -hmm. but when you look at the total population of vehicles uh even just in north america uh the uh, the number of electric vehicles on the road today is very very small so Mm -hmm. it's going to take time and and i think a lot of times uh, uh, we have a tendency to hear people talk or read or, or hear uh, facts about the, the industry and the excitement that's around electric vehicles, which there should be. Um, but we think it's going to be very widespread next week and that's simply not the case.
0: Right. Okay. So, so if you were still running a fleet, would you be excited to pursue electric vehicles or would you at this point right now i know it it it's somewhat and it's not just electric like you said there's other sources uh, th- there's an inevitability to it but at this point would you be excited to pursue more electric vehicles in your fleet or would you be kind of be cautious saying hold on a second i don't know if we're quite there yet
1: i would be uh very willing and interested in testing Uh, electric vehicles out. You know, first of all, in my opinion, the degree to which electric vehicles are available today and the speed at which they will permeate the trucking industry has been uh, maybe a little overstated. As I said before, we're in need of a lot of failure data to determine what changes need to be made in EV development, battery technologies, infrastructure development, charging availability, among other things to set the stage for broader deployment uh all fleets run trucks but they do not all run them equally Mm -hmm. you know operational parameters for heavy trucks vary greatly that includes everything from terrain they operate on to the annual miles they operate average road speeds traffic congestion you know the list is endless So if I were still running a fleet, I would want to evaluate how the electric vehicles would perform in my operation, running my freight on my routes to see for myself how the vehicle will perform under those specific conditions. Based on what I know today, About today's EVs, I would first deploy one in local operations, local P&D, plant-to-warehouse deliveries, uh, maybe short shuttle runs. I might try a longer route at some point, perhaps 150 miles out and back, where the vehicle's never too far away from recharging capability. Uh, The last thing I want to do is cause myself, you know, an operational problem. Uh, Then, you know, you get into what I see the biggest pro from my years in fleet operation beyond the carbon emission perspective for electric vehicles would be the elimination of much of the mechanical factors that electric vehicles do not have, such as the engine, uh, oil filters, lubricants, and other maintenance costs that would be eliminated. However, it seems like everything in life is a trade-off. and. (laughs) although i would have eliminated many of the maintenance functions necessary to support a diesel truck there are now many new maintenance items and mechanical factors associated with my electric vehicle to consider and during the transition period my shop has to be prepared for both simultaneously because there's no simple flip of a switch to get us from diesel to electric vehicles the transition will occur over many years
0: Right. Do you think are, are batteries an issue at this point?
1: Do you think they so? are? I think battery technology uh, is an issue. I think that people have been. Uh, uh, I've heard people talk about uh, rapid charging capability, but but as you know, even from using uh, your cell phone, you rapidly charge a vehicle or a a, a, a cell phone or any kind of a rechargeable battery. Uh, you can only do it so many times before you degrade that battery uh and ruin its uh its uh, life cycle so you know rapid charging can't be uh a continuous uh event uh most of the time i believe you're going to need trickle charging to have an effective battery life so i think there's a long way to come in battery technology
0: okay um what other sustainability efforts i mean i, I know that you know if you read the news or can even wait i mean this series of podcasts that i've done tends to be very ev focused um just because that seems to be what a lot of people are talking about what other sustainability efforts are there um that fleets are undertaking that are important that people might not talk
1: about well you know uh, you know it involves everything from people to equipment to you know when you look at at your personnel you know uh, sustainability is the workload they have sustainable is their work life balance sustainable uh you know that's completely off of the the chart of our our typical conversation here but uh, it can encompass everything from the recyclables that we all go through, the, the papers, the plastics, the heavy metals, the rubbers, the, uh, all of which also come on trucks and involve with uh, truck and truck manufacturing. But probably the most obvious way for a fleet to capitalize on their sustainability efforts today would be by partnering with customers who are like-minded and report their own sustainability numbers to their stockholders and customers or the general public. You know, given a choice between purchasing goods and services from a company that demonstrates it cares for the community, the environment, and other sustainability measures, versus doing business with a company that shows no interest or concern for such matters. I personally believe most people would do business with the company that demonstrates the greatest corporate community responsibility. And I think this is also true of large manufacturers and shippers who've aggressively uh, attacked, you know, their sustainability programs. They wish to partner with carriers that are doing all they can to improve sustainability and include their performance numbers in the overall efforts within their system. Sort of an indirect benefit, if you will.
0: Okay. So so right now, uh, let's say economic times are tough, right? Do, do you, does, how much do you think the calculus changed? Like you want to do business with good corporate citizens, but do you get to a point now where you go, you know, I got to make some hard decisions here and, and maybe I need to rethink this and, you know, be, <laughs> be a good citizen later. It sounds cold and, and terrible, but you know, is it a reality?
1: You have to be pragmatic. I mean, you know, the reality is business has to stay in business and um, you know, each fleet will have to examine their own financials and their own capacity and capabilities as they best see fit. Uh, Some will be more early adopters. uh, And there are a lot out there doing some phenomenal work, you know, thinking outside the box, Uh, you know, they're not only looking toward a transition within their own fleet to alternative fuels, but they're making their own fleets more um, uh, sustainable at the same time. Um, For instance, You know some examples might be that uh, they're expanding into natural gas uh, but at the same time they're building natural gas fueling facilities to serve the trucking industry as a whole uh you know within their community and in essence they're creating an entirely new revenue stream so i don't think that it's as 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 closed open shut cases yes we can do it no we can't i think there's some creative ways that fleets can take a look at at what they can do and what makes sense for them and their operation and their financial uh, uh, capabilities as well
0: so you talked about you know the need for more uh testing and things like that and you know learning essentially are there any from what you can see you know when we talk about the conversion to to alternative fuel sources maybe the speed of the conversion and the realities of the conversion you know i i think the the general sentiment is you know it's good but it might take some time are there any cons are there any cons to converting from diesel fuel that you can say literally saying you know if if, once we go away from diesel fuel we will lose x is it power is it is it is there anything that you know to worry about on that front
1: i think so i mean my personal opinion is it is that uh, the future will involve electric vehicles. It'll involve natural gas and renewable natural gas and hydrogen fuel cell, but it will also involve diesel vehicles. I don't think that diesel power is ever necessarily going to fully go away. I think there's going to be a place for it in various segments of the industry. Uh, perhaps uh, that may be determined geographically or otherwise. But you know, when you look at uh, you know recent Things such as uh, uh, the uh, Hurricane Ian in Florida that took out some of the electric uh, grid, uh, along with a lot of other things that Florida will be re- rebuilding from for quite some time. And you look at places like California, they've, they've issued a mandate that uh, everything be electric by, I think it's the year 2030 or 2035. Uh, 2035, yeah. You know the the reality there is that even as recently as a a, a week or two after that announcement, uh, California has rolling brownouts, and the governor of the state had to ask electric vehicle owners not to charge their vehicles. Right. Well, that's not terribly. Um, uh, Feasible <laughs> when when it comes to doing what we have to do every day in industry and uh, individuals going about our daily lives. I um, mean, think about it from the standpoint: what if all, what if all ambulances and fire trucks were electric, and uh, uh, you know the governor says you can't charge your vehicles? What 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 are we going to do then? Uh, so so I think there's always going to be a need uh, for that critical uh, recovery capability and a broad range of solutions i don't think that we can uh, certainly we can't eliminate what's working today and has the infrastructure to support uh, the type of fuel and operation that we have today but i do think we need to look toward the future and what can we do on an ongoing basis to make things better
0: gotcha what other challenges i mean maybe non-fuel wise you know the fleet industry really well big challenges is the fleet industry facing right now? Like what are the most important ones?
1: Well, you know, it's funny, I I got into the trucking industry back in the 1980s, I guess it was. And back then the ATA published a list of top issues facing the industry. Um, The funny thing is some of the same issues uh, have been on the list virtually every year (laughs) since then. You know, one that's usually near the top of the list is attracting and retaining truck drivers to the industry. Um, It's close to the top of the list every year, and there's continually been a driver shortage, and that shortage has only gotten worse. Uh, It takes very dedicated, hardworking, patient—think about road rage for a minute—it takes very patient and unique individuals to make a good, safe, professional truck driver. And I believe that most people in North America have heard the ATA message, if you have it, a truck brought it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much truth to that statement. And even though some heavier freight may move by rail across the country or up and down the rivers by barge, it was likely taken to the rail or the barge by a truck and then pulled from the rail yard and the final delivery was also made by a truck because not everyone has a rail spur in their backyard. And more importantly, these deliveries were not just made by a truck, they were made by a truck driver. And I think everybody needs to remain cognizant of that fact and appreciate the job that these men and women do every day of their lives. Um, I think the second biggest challenge, and and this may even be a bigger challenge than the truck drivers is, uh, or it's certainly of equal importance and significance to the fleet is the availability of technicians capable of working Mm -hmm. on today's trucks and tomorrow's trucks you know as mentioned in previous questions uh, today's technician will be transitioning in real time to work on both diesel powered vehicles and alternative fuel sources for powering you know including those electric natural gas and hydrogen and so forth and that's a huge task for anyone to undertake and it will likely involve uh having specialties you know within the industry of technicians. Technician specializes in natural gas technician specializes in electric vehicles but initially that'll require outsourcing um, from by the fleets you know to their dealers or uh, dealer networks to provide that expertise. but fleets will want to get up to speed as soon as practical before they deep dive into any broader deployment of any alternative energy, vehicles or types of vehicles they run up and down the road and so the problem is there's a technician shortage similar to the driver shortage but i think for young people today remembering and realizing that there's shortages in both areas there are great opportunities Mm -hmm. for young people in the future in both fields
0: so uh, i want to go back to the truck driver part of this how do you see Autonomous trucking evolving, like you know, so I, I think some people hear autonomous trucking and say, "Oh, in ten years, there's going to be no more truck drivers. Well, that's not true. but it, you know how do you see th- see that shaking out? does it just make the life of a of a driver easier and ma- does it make it a more attractive profession?
1: I think in some cases, I think that uh, you know the Autonomous vehicles will will probably uh, evolve similarly to electric vehicles and alternative fueled vehicles. Once again, there's a lot of failure data needed. Yeah. Um, you know the the initial autonomous vehicles uh, have had drivers in the cab with the vehicle while it was underway, uh, and just like we're looking for an EV manufacturer to consider every possible variation of operations of fleet may encounter across the country, we're also asking an autonomous vehicle developer to consider every feasible thing that a driver may encounter when on the road, regardless of what road, where it's located, and uh, so forth. They also have to take into consideration the unpredictable acts of all the other drivers on the road, right. and that's, that's, that's limitless uh, limitless variables will take a lot of time to develop solutions around. Um, meanwhile, I think there's been some great success with autonomous vehicles in limited geographic areas, you know, some significant controls and limited access. Uh, it will make up a part of the future, just like electric vehicles and other alternatives, but to, envision a future with no drivers is is very very difficult for me at this point in time
0: okay um let's get back to the you know the challenges fleets might be facing now um we actually talked before we started recording some retailers you know costco target walmart are reporting uh lots of inventory so so everything heated up right economically and everything's and now now it's oh wow now we've got a bunch of inventory and maybe prices are going to be lower and maybe they're going to need less stuff which may may mean less you know fleet deliveries things like that um uh, do you think pullbacks are coming soon do you think things are going to change i mean and we're talking short term not long term
1: right well you know I, I think that as long as i've been around trucking it's a very cyclical business uh, there are a lot of ups and downs, and and usually over periods of a few years, uh, you'll have a big swing. The pendulum will swing one way or another. But typically, warehousing and trucking have been uh, barometers uh, to some degree of what's to come uh, short term. Uh, no doubt, uh, we're in a strange environment over the last 24 months or so with uh, uh, you know Im- imbalances in the supply chain that are driving some things to an areas that might have otherwise been uh, evaluated one way, but it's actually the other. Uh, but I think that that with inventories increasing, it could indicate some degree of a slowdown, but uh, uh, demand from my perspective still seems to be very high uh, uh, almost every direction I turn.
0: Okay. Um. So I asked them a couple of minutes ago, what are the biggest challenges facing fleets? Look in your crystal ball, five years from now, what are going to be the biggest challenging facing fleets? What do you think? Is there, any, is there anything in the future that makes that, – that anything you see now that makes you look down the road a little bit and saying, you know, hey, here's a challenge I see coming?
1: I think that if, uh, if autonomous vehicles uh, do make a lot of headway um, uh, at a fast rate, I think that could uh, perhaps uh, – uh, a bit of a damaging blow to uh, attracting and retaining drivers. Uh, You know, who who wants to enter uh, uh, an industry if they think that the job's going away? And ultimately, I don't don't think that's going to be the case, but I think it's uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, If ultimately autonomous vehicles require uh, an operator uh, to perform other functions, then I think it's going to be more of a matter of the job of truck driving changes to something that's uh, hopefully more uh, more suitable and provides a better uh, work environment than what drivers have today.
0: Right. OK, um, let's go back to flow below. What other things um, do, do you do to uh, you know, we, we talked about some of the stuff in the beginning. What other things do you do to help fleets and help trucks um, be more efficient?
1: Well, of course, we're always developing new products and uh, and of course making continuous improvements on existing products. But I like to get in front of fleets, if at all possible. We utilize a uh, ROI tool where we can uh, walk into a fleet and using the fleet specific. You know, as I mentioned before, fleets uh, operationally are all over the board. Um, Uh, operations vary greatly. I I walk into two to three, four different fleets, and I realize that I'm looking at uh, uh, four completely different scenarios of, of how that fleet operates, what they do with their drivers, their equipment, and what our products could mean to their bottom line. So, what I like to do is I like to utilize the fleet specific uh, data, uh, their own numbers, their own miles, their own average road speeds and things of that nature, to be able to show them how our products could uh, positively impact their fleet operation, and also I like to be uh, an advisor, if you will. I mean, even if it's a, uh, I have a suggestion for a fleet that relates to a product that we don't manufacture, but I think could possibly help them. I'm going to help steer them in that direction uh, because we want to be problem solvers. Uh, that's the name of the game is is working in conjunction, collaborating with your fleet customers to solve their needs.
0: Right. Okay. All right. I want to ask. Uh... Uh, one more question, and I ask to everybody, what companies are game changers in this industry? I think some, part of the way I phrase it sometimes is, you know, for, for my next guest, who would be someone really interesting to talk to? And I used to say, you can't say Tesla, but, um, <laughs> you know, I don't think I need to say that anymore, but, but it, are there companies, it could be a, you know, hey, Google is doing something really interesting, or it could be a company we've never heard of. Is there any? Are there any companies that you think are are game changers? Whether they're really high on the radar or not on the radar at all, in in the transportation industry,
1: I think that there are a lot of game changers. There's certainly a lot of uh, industry leaders, uh, early adopters of new technologies. They are the people that are breaking ground, and they are the people uh, leading the charge on the. Uh, failure data that I speak of. You know, when you when you talk about people that are out front, they sometimes refer to it as the bleeding edge of technology, uh, mm-hmm. because sometimes there are some painful painful lessons to be learned. But uh, but it's all necessary in order to van- advance things. Uh, you know, recently I've been doing some work with uh, Amazon, who they're they're doing a lot of interesting things, but. You know, when it comes to aerodynamics and the use of testing thereof as a sustainability overall effort, uh, I think you can certainly look at all of the uh, NACFI partners. NACFI is the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. Um, fleets that are, that are partners in that organization and participate in their run on less programs. They're really too numerous to mention. But uh, but are led by some of the largest and best known fleets in the industry, like like UPS and FedEx and uh, Frito Lay and CR England, JB Hunt, Schneider. You know, we can we can list them uh, all day long. There are a lot of huge players and people that I think you want to keep your eye on uh, as to what they're doing. And you know, if you want to learn more about uh, NACFI, you can you can do that by going to www.runonless.com it's a nonprofit organization and they work toward the total sustainability picture for uh, the freight industry overall it's a very interesting organization and uh, everyone in this industry should really get to know them
0: cool all right um david this was really good i could i'd love to talk about fleets all day um this this is re- this has been a really interesting conversation but uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime
1: i hope i didn't ramble on too much but i certainly appreciate you having me
0: no problem at all you didn't ramble on at all thank you um everybody you can learn more about flow below at its website flowbelow.com and on social media platforms like linkedin and twitter um folks if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcast spotify or wherever else you're watching and listening it will help us get the word out and to learn more about our agency broadhead hmh and our efforts to power brands creating future of transportation visit hmhagency.com or find us on all the usual social media platforms again david thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it
1: thank you john have a great day
0: you too for david black i'm john halpin thanks for listening we'll be back soon with a new episode of the future of transportation podcast